Today will be somewhat of a different presentation. Um, I'll be accessing uh, some documentation and sharing about current events and how they relate to the Bible, and actually more precisely how they don't relate to what the Bible teaches. Um, and uh, this will give us an indication and a clue as to where we are in the stream of time, and certainly indicating that we are much closer uh, to the second coming, to the end of the world, uh, than we've ever been before. Um, I'm reminding of the story that happened many years ago uh, in Europe, back when uh, people depended on that clock in the middle of town to, to know what time it was. And um, uh, there was a little boy who had gone into town, and um, he, was, he was there during the middle of the day, and he was old enough to realize what the clock should be doing, that it struck, you know, and 9 o'clock, it would strike nine, nine times, and 11 o'clock, 11 times, 12 o'clock, 12 times. And at 1 o'clock, what should have been 1 o'clock, it struck 13 times. And he was so frightened, he ran home and said, Mommy and Daddy, it's later than it's ever been before. <laughs> well, that's true. That is absolutely true for us today. It's later than it's ever been before. Again, let's pause for a moment of prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, guide us as we study the word and become aware of the issues that are facing us in this world today. And that how we are called to lift up Jesus, to lift up his second coming, to lift up the Bible um, and the truths therein. We thank you for that privilege in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1991, there was a freak convergence of weather that happened in the Atlantic. A storm from the west, a cold front from the north, or a hurricane from the south. And it resulted in, at that time, was called the Halloween storm. A once-in-a-century gale with 100-foot-high waves which caused a tremendous amount of damage to shipping in the North Atlantic. And some of the smaller ships were never seen again as a result of that tremendous, uh, rather unique storm. Uh, this event was documented in a 1997 book by Sebastian Junger entitled The Perfect Storm. And if you haven't read it, it's worth reading. They also later did a film a few years later uh, telling the story a documentary of, of that event. The Bible records great storms in the past. We've had the, the great flood of Noah's day, which destroyed the ancient world. Uh, the fire, wind, and enemy raids, which turned Job's world upside down. And the storm on the Sea of Galilee, when it became apparent that Satan was attempting to destroy the Christian church in its infancy because the entire core of the Christian church was right there in that one boat. And, um, but, of course, Jesus took care of that and said, Peace be still, and uh, quelled the storm. The prophetic books of Daniel uh, in chapter 12 and Revelation in chapter 13 in particular speak of another type of storm. A time of trouble such as never was, as we've just read. 
Jesus also predicted in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 a time of great tribulation just before the second coming. These passages speak of social, religious, economic, and political strife on a worldwide scale. Revelation 11, 12, and 13, as was just recently studied in in the Islam and Christianity uh, Bible study series, uh, describes the rise of a new world power coming on the scene after the 1260 years of papal persecution. Uh, beginning gentle as a lamb, but eventually becoming tyrannical to the point of initiating a worldwide economic, political, and religious martial law. Of course, referring to the United States in prophecy. For a few moments, we want to take a look at the founding documents of our country and compare them and these ideals of liberty and opportunity with current events. I know hopefully these passages will uh, be very familiar. Unfortunately, um, this information in many cases is not being taught in the public school system anymore. And in fact, uh, in the West Coast, uh, the new social studies books that were coming out in one, one district have already announced that they will not have anything in there regarding the founding of our country 1776, there'll be no mention of the Civil War. Only the 1619 Project, which presumably is when the first slave arrived in, a, in the North America, and they will skip over everything else since then. Um, but listen to these words. We hold, this is a preamble to the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, they're endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. This was really radical thinking in its day, uh, very much in opposition to the monarchies and, and dictatorships of that time. A new concept, a new idea, um, a new experiment. And then the uh, preamble to the U.S. Constitution from 1787 says, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty, to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And then in the Bill of Rights, which followed shortly thereafter, and the whole idea of the Bill of Rights was to specify and delineate clearly the limits of government. That was the whole idea. Um, that their responsibility as it relates to the people had to be clearly spelled out. And just mention uh, three of them in particular. Um, number one, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. 
or abridging the freedom of speech or of press or the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And then uh, Amendment 3, Bill of Rights, um, I'm sorry, Amendment 2, is that a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then Amendment 4, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, their houses, their papers, their effects, against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And as I was rereading that, immediately I began to think, I wonder if the IRS knows about that. <laughs> Actually, they do, and they don't care. Um, but um, in the context of events that are happening in our world today, actually, that problem is fairly far down on the scale, uh, as we will see. Uh, a time of trouble such as there never was. We're in a war zone, and there's a war going on against God, against the Bible, against truth, against justice, against marriage, the family, the children, the unborn, against religious liberty, free speech, freedom of assembly, even the history of our country. You've heard, I'm sure, how during this last year's many historical statues were torn down. Um, it's a war against our health and our health choices. It's a war against our food, our bodies, and our minds. And I'm just going to touch on just uh, a few of these. Um, because of the, the seriousness of the nature. You probably heard a lot about social justice. Uh, it sounds good on the surface. Um, there's a, an amazing, very brief presentation on Prager University uh, videos, about five minutes long, and uh, done very beautifully. It's in the context of the Bible. And social justice isn't justice. And I just want to read you a little of the text. Uh, if you have time, uh, look it up, and you'll, you'll find it very fascinating. Um, the common theme today among many big churches, many places, is that the Lord is a God of social justice. But here's the problem. The Bible doesn't talk about social justice. It only talks about God being the God of justice. Justice. Justice is getting what you deserve without favor. Social justice is getting what you don't deserve because you are favored. Justice is blind. Social justice is not. It's all based on whether you are a part of a certain group or not a part of a certain group. Justice demands that everyone be equal under the law. Social justice demands that everyone be equal, period. And that idea, and you'll hear that word coming up, instead of equality of opportunity, you talk about equity. Equity is communism 101. They want everything to be equal. It didn't work out well during the last century. It was the idea of utopia. They're going to make you know heaven on earth. Instead, what we had was hell on earth um, with communism. During this last century, in Russia and China, 100 million people 
were murdered, starved to death, and otherwise killed, lost their life because their freedom was taken away, their food was taken away, their farms were taken away, and anybody that disagreed, of course, got to the end of the life even quicker. Um, the Bible recognizes that there are differences in talent, difference in opportunity, differences in abilities. Um, and I, and I, so we've been studying recently in the Old Testament, um, and what God did was the most beautiful arrangement of caring for the poor and putting limits on the rich. Remember, the, every seven years, the, uh, the debts were to be released, the, the slaves were to go free. Uh, and, of course, it was the big year of Jubilee, uh, every 50th year. And it was an amazing provision to, to help everybody be blessed uh, as, far as, as far as possible in a broken world. Um, there's no question with social justice promoters as to individual responsibility. Uh, justice only asks when a crime is committed, who did it? Social justice, why did he do it? He must have had a reason, you know. Something happened at home. He's part of an oppressed minority. You know, he can't help it. But you see, justice, true justice is first and foremost about truth. Is the person guilty or innocent? And none of us is omniscient. We don't have all knowledge. All we can do is look at what happened. Um, there are victims. And as we've seen last year with all the riots in the cities and you know, Portland and so many other places um, where police stations were burned, courthouses were burned, uh, whole sections of the cities were destroyed, there were a lot of victims, tremendous amount of victims. In many cases, those victims were very poor. Um, they spent their whole life just to have one little business, and it was destroyed, all in the name of social justice. Um, but the Bible does not see the world this way. It speaks against it. In fact, in Exodus it says, Do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd, and do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. Leviticus do not pervert justice or show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor justly. And Moses in Deuteronomy says, follow justice and justice alone. The New Testament declares in the book of Romans, God shows no partiality. Today, in many quarters, um, we do not see true justice. Many of those who've committed, you know, all this, I call it terrorism, a destruction of, of some of the big cities in many places, are not brought to justice if they happen to be arrested, they're let out the next day, or with no consequences. This is totally contrary to the Bible, because God is a God of order. He believes in cause and effect, and there should be a penalty for evildoers. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul said that um, the government is to be a, a minister to bring the sword against evildoers. I don't think the Romans worried about social counseling when they were dealing with criminals. The sword means force. That's the only way you can stop 
evil, stop crime, is by taking them off the scene and putting them away. The purpose of prison, ultimately, for evildoers, is not rehabilitation, although that's wonderful. and we, we pray for that, and that's what the Bible schools are, are working toward. But the first reason for prison is to protect the innocent that live on the outside of the prison and to protect them from these criminals. That's the purpose of prison. Um, that has been forgotten in many, many cases. And then the person writing this uh, and sharing this story said, but many Christians and Jews no longer regard biblical principles as binding. So why are they even considering the idea of so-called social justice? The answer is because they don't think the Bible is to be taken literally. They say, oh, yeah, we take it seriously, but we don't take it literally. Um, and it's a lot easier to, quote, dispense compassion than to hold people to a biblical standard. And because the ideas, so-called progressive or leftism, there's a lot of names for it, socialism, communism, those ideas have superseded the Bible as a guiding principle. Um, and it is a tremendous, tremendously dangerous concept which is undermining law and order and even civilization itself. Another concept which is spreading everywhere is called critical race theory. Now, this is being taught in the universities, being taught in high schools, being taught in kindergarten, being taught in, in grade school. Um, it's even infected the uh, heads of, you know, the tops of great corporations. And um, the idea of critical race theory is that the most important thing about anybody is their ethnicity. Not their character, not their choices they've made in life, not what they've accomplished, not what they've done to help other people. The only thing that matters is their background. What group are you a part of? by heritage. That's the only thing that matters. And they only have two categories in the critical race theory. Either it's the what they call the oppressors, never mind that this is not now, but whatever's happened in the past, tra tragedies have happened. If a group oppressed some other group of people, then you end up with just these two groups, the oppressors and the oppressed. And so everything is viewed through the lens of this racial theory, which is really racism in the extreme. And um, it rejects the idea of everyone being equal before the law. Oh, no, 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 no. Only certain ones be equal before the law or even have the opportunity for law. Others, because of whatever happened in the past, if you're a part of that group you are automatically, continuously, totally guilty, even though you had nothing to do with it. And um, it really turns the, the whole idea of America, our Judeo-Christian value system, the Bible, uh, upside down. Um, and uh, in fact, they, they even reject the idea of a neutral principles of constitutional law. Oh, can't be neutral. We've got to favor, you know, the so-called oppressed groups 
and we must punish continuously the groups that they consider to have been oppressive in the past. Um, and they are teaching this everywhere. Now, recently there was a um, big, expensive seminar at Lockheed Martin, and they required the top executives to go to this if they were from a European heritage. Um, and um, they had to go through this long list of ideas and things that they were to be sorry for. They were to confess. They basically forced confessions. Um, and uh, I mean, it's an amazing list of what seemed to be irrelevant thing. I read through it and listened on, on uh, YouTube to some of the people that had actually been through it. Um, but here's one thing. They said that, this is particularly for men, men from the European background must work hard to understand and reject their white privilege, their heterosexual privilege. That means they believe in God's way of family. Um, and they must also confront and reject the roots of white male culture, which include rugged individualism, a can-do attitude, hard work, operating from principles, and striving towards success. All of this is bad. This is toxic. Never mind that that's what made civilization possible. Uh, and in the West and provided the greatest opportunity for the greatest number of people ever in history. Um, this uh, is the amazing level of what a big lie can do. Some people have said that the bigger the lie, the more likely you can persuade people to believe it. Um, absolutely amazing. Then there's something called the Great Reset. There's a group of globalists, very powerful, super wealthy organizations and people who have been getting together in Switzerland and they want to redesign the world. And they've been talking about the Great Reset, how they're going to start civilization over. And um, they, they have a lot of, uh, of amazing ideas. Um, and they saw the COVID-19 as an opportunity. I happen to think that it was actually planned. Um, and we're learning things out of the, about the lab in China, which su would suggest that. But in the event, they used the, the event of the, of the COVID-19 to um, move the world, as they believe it, toward a one-world government, a new world order, where there will be no borders, no nations. Everybody will just be a citizen of the world. Um, and um, they, well, they are, they're already talking about, very seriously, about the digital fusion of biology and artificial intelligence, chips. And they say the goal is that you would contain this chip, which would tell everything about you, um, be accessible, and their ultimate goal is to divine this, quote, artificial intelligent chip to make it possible so that the authorities could read your mind. 
I don't think God's going to let that happen. But that's their goal. Because wouldn't it be a much safer world if we could arrest the criminals before they commit the crime than afterwards? Um, it's amazing. Um, also, they were already talking very seriously about because of climate change, which is, that is a man causing it as a hoax, um, during the same time that we had the general warming trend, up until recently, you know, they changed the name. It used to be global warming. Now it's climate change. Why? Because the, the planet stopped warming up. It's, it's in a stabilization mode and it looks like it's sliding back the other way for a while. Well, at the very same time that in the last century, there was this general warming trend on Earth, there was also a warming trend on Mars. We can't blame that on the factories, you know, and, and carbon emissions and carbon dioxide and all of this stuff. Um, this is the sun. Totally the sun is the one who manages, you know, our weather down here. But never mind, never mind. In order to protect us from this existential threat, as they call it, and some have said we only got, you know, 12 years left. Um, we may not have 12 years left, but not for that reason. Because uh, the Bible says there's going to be a period of global warming coming. It's one of the plagues. And it will be far beyond what, you know, what people have imagined. But... Um, they're talking about genetic engineering in order, because they see mankind as the problem. He's the one that's causing the trouble. Uh, he's the one that's, you know, causing all this stuff supposedly to happen. And so if we had a smaller footprint, then there'd be less carbon dioxide breathed out. Uh, would be, you know, less food eaten. And so they literally said that they believe they have the ability to redesign humanity so that we would all be a lot smaller physically. So that, and if they want it 25% smaller, so that, you know, be less carbon emissions, less carbon dioxide, and, and literally less carbon footprints. This is what they have in mind. Amazing. Also, um, One of the things that has happened is that there are those who believe that when there is a, quote, national emergency, that the Constitution should be suspended. You know, it's, it's inactive, inoperative. Back in 1866, um, from the Supreme Court of the United States, um, Apparently, I believe it was a Judge Milligan wrote, the Constitution of the United States is a law for rulers and people, equally in war and peace, and covers with the shield of its protection all classes of men under all times, under circumstances. No doctrine is more pernicious, consequences, was ever invented by the wit of men than that any of its provisions of the Constitution can be suspended during any great emergency of government. And uh, but that's exactly what happened last year. That um, uh, thousands of well, tens of thousands of people couldn't go to work. Hundreds of thousands of people couldn't go to work. Um, tens of thousands of businesses went bankrupt, all in the name of protecting us. And I don't feel very protected if the government says in order to 
take care of you, we're going to bankrupt you. That doesn't seem to work out very well. Um, in fact, a, a judge in the Palatano, who I find very interesting, a writer, and given his background, I, I presume he may have a Catholic background, but boy, is he a tremendous fighter for religious liberty. And I thought it was really, really amazing. And he says, make no mistake, our first freedom is religion, as we noticed in the Bill of Rights. He says, our first freedom is religion, and if we don't have that, and he was talking about all the shutdown of the churches and everything, he says, we don't have that, we don't have anything. Very interesting. Um, and he also wrote that um, the Constitution has no pandemic exception. Of course, there would be a lot of people and governors who disagreed. Um, also, there are other things taking place. Um, the um, um, fact that life-saving therapies were denied last year, the AMA, the FDA, in cooperation with the government, um, decided they were going to push through the vaccine in a hurry. And the only way they could get emergency authorization was by being able to demonstrate or say that there were no other good alternatives to fight against COVID-19. But there were some outstanding alternatives. Hydroxychloroquine, ivervectin. There were a number, several other therapies, but especially those. But in order to push this through, because the vaccine has it's never been FDA approved, no long-term animal studies, nothing, dangerous. Um, but in order to make that happen, they had to sideline completely any other therapies. And so for much of last year, doctors literally were not allowed to have any other option than putting you on a ventilator or waiting for a vaccine. That was pretty much it, um, which was a great tragedy, an incredible tragedy, uh, since doctors all around the world were discovering in the, in the early last year that these alternative therapies were working, especially if they had a chance to start early. Um, very, very successful. Um, but that was sidelined completely, ordered, order in order to rush the vaccine through. Why? Because there are billions of dollars at stake. Whereas a dose, a treatment of hydroxychloroquine is $10. Uh, the other, you know, the, the traditional route with everything else that was going on was enormously expensive, as, as, as we have seen. Now, even doctors who persisted, I just read a book recently by an outstanding doctor, who persisted on helping her patients, a lady doctor, with these alternative therapies because she was very, very concerned about waiting for the vaccine and then what the vaccine's side effects I would be. Uh, and so she continued her work, and she lost her work, she lost her career, she lost everything because she dared to do what was best for her patient. During last year, that part of last year, there was more freedom for doctors in communist Russia than there was in this country. Unbelievable what happened last year when our Constitution went out the window. Our Bill of Rights went out the window. Um, so many other things that have taken place. Uh, hate speech legislation 
the LGBTQ agenda, HR1. Uh, in fact, there uh, has been uh, promoted already. They're beginning to promote and telling people that if you suspect that you have a neighbor who is turning radical, you should report them. This is, this is Communist China 101 of what's being suggested. In fact, they're wanting to establish a, a new department in the government whose job will be to expedite the review of hate crimes related to the spread of COVID-19. Think that one through. You see what's happening. And as the Bible said, um, there will come a time when there will be a great time of trouble. And that country which arose with lamb-like characteristics would eventually uh, speak like a dragon. Certainly we still may have the opportunity to defend our liberties. I know there's parents who are going before school boards to object to what's being taught uh, and being forced down their kids' throats. Uh, there are other organizations, legal organizations, which are bringing lawsuits against various aspects of these things which are unconstitutional, and they've had a measure of success, not complete, but a measure of success, um, in turning this around somewhat. Uh, and we certainly would want to encourage their work. But our number one job, since we know how this is all going to end, and that at the very end, the whole world will be in total chaos, and then Jesus will come. So our work is sharing the good news, the three angels' message, and the fact that Jesus is coming soon. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then in Luke 21, when these things begin to happen, look and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. In Matthew 7, uh, Jesus told a, a very interesting story, and I call it the prescription for storm survival. Um, Matthew 7, and uh, the last uh, few verses there, Get over to that. And um, I think the children will, will recognize this story. And um, Jesus said in verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And you all know the melody. The rains came down, and the floods came up. Um, true, absolutely true. Um, and this is uh, Jesus showing, uh, you know, an obvious real-life example of what happened. In fact, just recently we heard about a whole condominium in Florida. Apparently it was built on the sand and the whole thing has collapsed and they're still looking for the people. But especially in the spiritual world, we don't want to build on the sand. We want to build always, totally, on the rock, uh, Christ Jesus. I came across uh, a, a, a hymn 
I was looking through our hymnals and didn't find it, but I remember years ago, must have been some of the older hymnals. Um, and it's called Stand By Me. It was Charles Albert Tindley, written back in 1905. And um, um, his dad was, was actually, uh, had been a slave, and of course was, was freed um, at the end of the Civil War. And um, life had been very, very difficult for him. But he had a love for music and for a love for hymn, uh, hymn writing. And I just want to share these beautiful words in closing. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who rulest the wind and water, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell assail and my strength begins to fail, though thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. When I've done the best I can and my friends misunderstand, thou who knowest all about me, stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. When my foes in war array undertake to stop my way, thou who rescued Paul and Silas, stand by me. And when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm nearing chilly Jordan, O thou lily of the valley, stand by me. What a beautiful message uh, for us today that we, as we face the storms of life, and we're going to have more storms, and they're going to get worse and worse until Jesus comes. Jesus said, don't fear. Do not be afraid. Don't be troubled, because Jesus knows the way. He is the one who rescued the disciples from the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And when we choose to stay in his boat, he will carry us through across the Jordan to the kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all these promises that you've given us. As we see a world in chaos around us, and even this country, which has been such a blessing to so many in the past, forgetting those blessings. And we pray that in this time that we will stand firm for Jesus, for his word, for truth, for light, and to share the good news of his coming. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.